Hello, everyone, and welcome to Surveillance Report number 60, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report will recap some of the most notable events from the last week, including the release of Android 12, Argentina getting pwned, pretty much, some breaking Amazon news, a really wild browser fingerprinting research, and Trump's new social media network, what it means for you, and much more. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And I'm Henry from TechLore. So this week, the affiliate way to support us that we want to highlight is Monero. Both TechLore and The New Oil accept Monero as a way to donate almost completely anonymously. It's like Bitcoin, but even better. And yeah, if you haven't heard of Monero, you should definitely check it out. With that, we will go into data breaches. And we are going to start with that story from Argentina. An attacker has stolen the government ID database for the entire population of Argentina. So this happened last month to the National Registry of Persons. They were hacked and leaked the ID card details of the country's entire population. This included people like the country's president, journalists, political figures, and even Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero. The government has owned up to the hack, but not to the breach. They do admit that they suffered a cyber attack, but they insist that no data was stolen. However, the attacker that this journalist was able to get in touch with Sounds pretty legit. Sent over some sample data as they usually do. It includes full names, home addresses, birth dates, gender information, issue and expiration dates, labor ID codes, tramite numbers, citizen numbers, and photos from the IDs. Just to stir some feathers, we like to have fun here. Messi, Ronaldo, or Neymar, you gotta let us know who's the OG. I don't follow enough football to have an opinion. Here's my opinion. If you look up a picture of Adam Young, the guy from Owl City, and you look up a picture of Lionel Messi, they've never been seen in the same room at the same time. That's all I'm going to say. Our next story will move to Italy, where celebrity data has been exposed in a ransomware attack on the SIAE, which is the Italian Copyright Office. Basically, they stole information from the Copyright Office, which of course includes artists and musicians and, and actors, and you know, anybody who's registered any kind of work of art. The attackers claim that they have stolen 60 gigabytes of data, including national ID, driver's license scans, and contract copies. And the data, we're not quite sure yet because they haven't released it, but it could include employees and, like I said, anyone who was registered with the copyright office. Next one's really quick. Last week we talked about Acer getting hit with a cyber attack. Well, they just got hit with another one in the same week. The previous one was in India, which is the one we talked about in the last surveillance reports, and the new one is in Taiwan. The attacker said part of the motivation was to prove that Acer is way behind in cybersecurity. Quote, <laughs> this only affects employee data, so again, just keep in mind that if you're an employee for a company, your data is also at risk to any kind of data breach. Last but not least, bad news for gamers. SCUF, their gaming store, was hacked to steal credit card info of over 32,000 customers. SCUF is a custom PC and console controller manufacturer. They are used by both professional gamers and regular people. Anyone who wants one can buy one. This is a web skimming attack. We've seen this type of attack before. It's known as Magecart, and what they do is they alter the JavaScript to steal credit card numbers from customers while they're checking out. The attackers were able to inject this JavaScript because they gained access via a third-party vendor's login credentials. This happened all the way back in February and was discovered in March. It did not affect PayPal payments. So there's actually a couple lessons on this one. Number one, try to use a masked payment source of some kind, whether that's a privacy.com, prepaid card, whatever the case may be. Number two, remember that sometimes a third party can be the cause of the issue. SCUF didn't do anything wrong. It was that third party that their credentials were leaked 
through whatever way. And also just remember that JavaScript is incredibly dangerous and you should disable it unless you absolutely need it, which of course you would need for online shopping, but you don't need it 90% of the time. That's the end of data breaches. And now we're gonna move in to company news, starting with Amazon this week. Here is a wonderful story that's great to send to people you know regarding IoT devices, specifically Amazon IoT devices like the Alexa. A woman with three Amazon smart speakers and several smart light bulbs requested her data from Amazon. Some context there, a lot of companies will actually just allow everyone to do it because of these regulations in only a few regions. And this is actually why we're big proponents of privacy regulation, because even if one small country allows it, that might actually force them to implement these things for everyone, which is cool. Just to add to that, it becomes easier for them from an economic perspective to just let everybody do it rather than trying to wade through like, are you actually a resident? It's just like, whatever, just have your data. We don't care. It's cheaper. Right. And also you can do this too. So if you have an Amazon account, we encourage you to do this because there's no risk. You just click request my data. So this woman, she did it and she received thousands of short voice clips, a list of contacts that she never synced to her account and her location. I think I've shared this before. One time I bought something on Amazon through my mother's account because, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, you can't get something anywhere else. You have to get it on Amazon and I don't have an account. So I use my mom's account and like 15 minutes later, they called me on a number that I only give out to family and friends to like confirm that it was a legit, that it wasn't fraud or whatever. And I remember asking the lady, I'm like, how'd you get this number? And she's like, oh, you must have entered it in. And I'm like, no, I definitely didn't. The best I can think is you probably took it from my mom's contact list because she probably has the app on her phone. I know for a fact I did not give them that number. This is obvious to us privacy advocates. Obviously, everything that these devices in your home can collect, they are going to collect. But I don't think people quite understand what that is. They just think that, oh, it just knows when I ask what my shopping list is before I go to the grocery store. Why do I care what they know what I shop for? And it's a lot more than that. It's your contacts, it's your text messages, it's your phone calls, it's your location. And actually, the very next story is kind of a research paper talking about this, and it's called What Does Your Smart Assistant Know About You? There are some wonderful charts here that you should take a look at, so click the second link in the company news article description down below. Pretty much, it talks about how all the data is collected by you with Amazon Alexa's, Google Assistant's, Apple's Siri, Samsung Bixby, and Microsoft Cortana. And Amazon Alexa fares the worst, by far. It includes your address, phone numbers, name, time zone, payment information, age, personal interests, personal descriptions, the location, your IP address, model of your voice characteristics, the name of your contacts, phone numbers for stored contacts, addresses for your contacts, email addresses of your contacts, voice recordings, images and videos stored on your account, really everything. You should go check out these charts and Amazon fares the worst out of all of these assistants. Just quickly looking at it, it looks like Apple's Siri is the best, but it's still not good. If you look at it, Apple Siri still collects a lot of information about you. It's just not quite as terrible. And actually, Google's Assistant isn't too bad as well. But you check this out. It's a really interesting piece. I really encourage you sending both of these articles to people you know, because both of these are very tangible and very, wow, I didn't realize how much data these tiny little $50 devices collect about me. Some takeaways here, if you use these devices, you should be aware that they collect absolutely everything they can about you. So you should, I guess, start by keeping them in rooms where sensitive discussions and other things don't happen, but also we just recommend not having them all together. But the more important thing is, I'm guessing a lot of people who listen to this don't have these devices. So we do encourage you to share these two articles with people you know and try to spread the word a little bit about what these devices collect about people. Our next couple stories are about Google. We're gonna start off with the state of Texas is suing Google. 
basically they're claiming they have documents that show that Google was attempting to collude with other big tech companies to secretly slow down privacy legislation. Google, of course, they're claiming that this report is, quote, riddled with inaccuracies, and they talk about how they've been publicly calling for better privacy legislation. The other companies that were implicated in this, like Facebook and and Apple, they've declined for comment. Personal opinion, I think this is probably true. If you guys haven't heard this story, a few months ago, Greenpeace posed as a company that was hiring and did a fake hiring interview with a former lobbyist for ExxonMobil, and this lobbyist straight up admitted, he's like, yeah, companies like Exxon will run commercials and campaigns where they say, oh, we're all about renewable energy and and carbon regulation because they know it's not actually going to get passed. And because behind closed doors, they're pushing for the exact opposite thing even harder. So they're basically publicly saying like, yes, we support these good things. When in reality, they're like, no, we don't. We're fighting against them. And we know it's never going to get passed. And if I had to put my money down, I would say Google and Facebook and all these companies, that's probably exactly what they're doing is they're trying to create a public image of like, we care about privacy and we are in favor of updated privacy legislation, but they really don't. I know that's a personal opinion, but I don't think that's really a hot take. Our next Google story also has to do with Mozilla. Google and Mozilla are close to finalizing a sanitizer API for Chrome and Firefox browsers. I'm going to quote the article because they sum it up really well. Leading browser vendors are putting the finishing touches on a set of APIs that make it easier for developers to protect web applications against cross-site scripting attacks. Basically, a lot of content on the internet nowadays is generated externally, whether that's third-party libraries or images that are hosted somewhere else. So making sure that that can't be used to track people around the web is currently quite a bit of a challenge. The article says web developers rely on third-party libraries such as Dom Purify to sanitize HTML content and prevent cross-scripting attacks. Google and Mozilla are trying to basically move this capability into the browser with the help of Dom Purify to make it a more native process to basically just help protect people better by default from these types of attacks, which is a good thing. That's a win for everybody. The article says, we are calling for developers with various different perspectives to test and experiment with the preview in order to ensure the sanitizer API clearly solves developers' needs and expectations at initial rollout. So if you are a developer who works with this kind of stuff, I would highly encourage you to check that out and help out if you can with the testing. And finally, we have two Facebook stories. This next one is titled, Facebook is researching AI systems that see, hear, and remember everything you do. And this kind of relates to the glasses that Facebook recently came out with. It kind of relates to everything they've done. I'm just going to go ahead and quote the article. Facebook's researchers have outlined a series of skills it wants these systems to develop, including episodic memory, such as the question, where did I leave my keys, and audio-visual diarization such as remembering who said what and when. By the way, wasn't that second one an episode of Black Mirror? I'm pretty sure it was. So this will be the biggest data set of its kind ever. Facebook has partnered with 13 universities around the world who were in charge of collecting the data. So Facebook didn't collect the data for this AI training the universities did. And that included 3,205 hours of footage of unscripted activities using GoPros and cell phones and things like that among 855 participants. And it was quote unquote anonymized because they blurred faces and stuff. Facebook is really working on this. Like this isn't just a theoretical thing. They're actually trying to make this happen. And our last Facebook story, Facebook has partnered with Coinbase for a digital wallet initiative. Basically, Coinbase is providing Facebook with all of the technology to manage keys for cryptocurrency wallets 
wallets so now Facebook can integrate cryptocurrency wallets and streamline the process. Personal opinion, I would avoid both of them. I'm sure Facebook goes without saying. Coinbase is a fine exchange, but we've said before many times, when you leave your cryptocurrency with an online exchange, it's not really yours. You are susceptible to all kinds of things going wrong, whether that's getting breached, getting your crypto stolen, whatever. So if you're going to go into cryptocurrency, get an offline wallet, whether that's software or hardware. I just wanted to say Coinbase is a company I'm so mixed on because I really respect them for how mission-driven they are. Coinbase is kind of a dangerous company because they're so mission-driven to the point where they're completely willing to work with governments. There's the recent articles coming out showing that Coinbase works with ICE, they're giving up user information, and Coinbase is very much participating with everything necessary in order to become a successful cryptocurrency exchange and wallet, which is why they're so good. In my opinion, I think the usability and how easy they make obtaining cryptocurrencies is just second to none but also like there's better services to use and i think that it also uh, kind of compromises their integrity from a privacy and security perspective as well that wraps up company news and we're going to go ahead and move over to research this one is very interesting i'm going to explain the research first and i'm going to explain what it might mean this is an attack called gummy browsers And what this attack does is it essentially clones your browser's fingerprint. So a fingerprint is something we've talked about a lot. And essentially, if you install an extension, if you're using your browser on a certain operating system, if you have a certain IP address, everything you do in your browser is unique. The version that you're using for your browser, the extensions you install, all of this stuff makes your browser unique to the point where a website can actually go. There's only 100, 200, 1,000 people in the world that have this exact configuration, and that's actually a method of tracking users. Now, I will say there is very little research that I've found actually showing how often this is used to track individuals. So I can't tell you this is something that's used frequently or this is something that's used all the time. It's very hard to research this, and also we just don't know yet because it's somewhat of a recent thing. When I say recent, I mean in the last decade. This paper essentially allows you to clone someone's fingerprint via their own browser. This would allow people to essentially replicate what you look like online via just your browser's fingerprint. There could be some privacy issues with this. Like let's say you have a very unique fingerprint. These people can now replicate your fingerprint and maybe look up things that are illegal. So I guess there could be a privacy concern there. But the main concern that's talked about in this article is your fingerprint is what a lot of sites use to remember who you are. So a lot of times when you log in with 2FA, it asks you, do you want to stay signed in on this device? And sometimes that's done with a cookie, but sometimes that's done via a browser fingerprint. So that's kind of the big concern brought to light with this research is someone can now clone your fingerprint. So for sites that ask for 2FA or that you click remember me or anything like that, that could be cloned to replicate you and skip that or bypass it altogether. There's not much to do outside trying to have actually a more common fingerprint in my opinion. I actually don't feel good giving you a lesson about this one, uh, unless Nathan wants to give his thoughts on this. I think having a common fingerprint is good using the Tor browser because, you know, it's designed to have a very common fingerprint with everyone else. And I don't have any proof for this, so don't take this as gospel. I suspect that JavaScript has a lot to do with fingerprinting. So I think if you, as I mentioned earlier, disable JavaScript, I think that will help a lot with blocking the ability to be fingerprinted. However, I would not place your life on that assumption. That's just something I've noticed and I think is true, but I'm not positive. If anyone knows if that's true or not, feel free to let me know in the comments. Our next research paper is also about a type of attack. An AI can be trained to guess debit card pins. 
for four digit card pins they guessed it right 41 percent of the time there's a number of factors of course four digit pin versus five digit pin the ai also has to be highly trained on the specific dimensions of the machine so for example this can only work on a single model at a time because it has to know the exact distances between the keys and the layouts and stuff like that one thing that was interesting is it did not require a special computer this wasn't a university supercomputer or anything like that this was an over-the-counter computer it was a very high-end computer they did cite the specs but it wasn't anything that you would need a license to buy or a crap ton of money there are a few defenses for this they mentioned that as part of their experiment they had people like cover their hand while they were putting in the pin so obviously the more you cover your hand the better if your bank allows for a five-digit pin that's better than a four-digit pin of course there's paying in cash so that way you're reducing your likelihood of being attacked by this because if you're only going to the atm once a month to withdraw cash and then you use cash the rest of the time depending on how much you spend money that's potentially dozens of times that you're not typing in your pin and then if you can't use cash there's prepaid debit cards because you can make the pin whatever you want and you can have a different pin on the prepaid card than you do on your actual card also just to add on the five digit pin the bank i used to have my debit card through allowed eight digits so i used to have an eight digit pin but every bank i've had since then doesn't allow it So I actually think it's pretty uncommon. Yeah, I've never heard of a five-digit pin before. I just always assumed they were four-digit. Now I'm definitely going to call my bank after this. Everyone should do that. That's your homework for the week. The worst thing they're going to say is, no, we don't offer that. Exactly. Yeah, you have two pieces of homework this week. If you know anyone that uses IoT devices, especially Alexa's, share those two articles we talked about earlier. And your second homework is to call your bank and ask if you can upgrade to more than four-digit pins. And with that, let's move into the politics section. We're going to start out with the U.S. rolling out new rules governing the export of hacking and cyber defense tools. This kind of comes not in direct response to Pegasus, but on the heels of the Pegasus ordeal. The article says the U.S. Commerce Department has released new rules designed to stop companies from selling hacking tools to China, Russia, and other countries that may use them for nefarious purposes. Companies who do have legitimate business interests to export to those countries, they can still do that, but they do have to apply for a special license. It turns out there are 42 countries who have agreed to govern the export of, quote, military and dual-use technologies – And we are one of the last of those 42 countries who have passed this kind of regulation. For our next political story, this is just a real quick one, but it is definitely important and worth having on your radar. The UK is starting to roll out facial recognition as a way for children to pay lunch money. Currently, there are nine schools in Scotland, and up until now, they've actually been using fingerprint scan. So that's horrifying that we've already come this far. Now they're trying to replace the fingerprint scan with facial recognition. And this is supposed to be faster. It's supposed to be more COVID friendly because, you know, now they don't have to put their fingerprint on a scanner. I'm sure this thing has some advantages, but of course there are huge privacy questions. Who's got the data? How long do they store it? Who is it shared with? How is it stored? All of that, that of course... The government just never likes to answer those kind of questions. If you live in the UK, be aware of that and do what you can. Finally, really quickly, on a positive finish to the politics section, personal data protection has become a fundamental right in Brazil. So the Brazilian Senate has passed a proposal for an amendment to the Constitution, which includes personal data protection to the list of citizen fundamental rights and guarantees, including digital channels. Quote, Moreover, the amendment means personal data protection becomes an unchangeable clause of the Brazilian Constitution, meaning that any future alterations must be aimed at expanding, improving, and safeguarding citizen rights to data privacy. So, cool beans. Good job, Brazil. And let's hope other countries follow suit. That wraps up politics for the week, and we're going to go ahead and transition to FOSS News, free and open source. I'm going to try to go through this really quickly. First, Android 12 has been released, which is awesome. Certain custom ROMs, you should check to see if that's you, have already updated to Android 12. It features a new UI and, whew, 
colors. <laughs> it's like a new like feature apparently. You can now change some colors. As for privacy and security, there are some what I would consider superficial privacy enhancements involving finer webcam and microphone access. There are some new permission controls. My personal favorite thing that I think is the largest surface level thing regarding Android 12 is you can give apps approximate location instead of your actual location, which is something that iOS, I think, released in iOS 14. So now when something asks for a location, it says, do you want to give them your precise or approximate location? And do you want to give it only this time or all the time or never? On a similar note, Android has something called work profiles. I know Calyx OS has it, but some Android operating systems allow you to have a work profile which lives alongside your normal apps. So you can turn it off and all of your work apps disappear. They can't do anything in the background. It's kind of like having a second user account, but it's all inside the same user account and you actually get notifications for both of them in the same user account, which is really cool. Essentially, Google has announced they want to enable this feature for everyone, which is great news. Quote, this will eventually allow anyone using Android for business purposes to separate work and personal apps in one interface and pause all work-related apps in a single click. This will be available to Google Workspace users first starting next year, with plans to expand to more identity providers soon after. So this is good news. Hopefully one day this is just going to come with stock Android. That's kind of the direction this seems to be moving. But if you want it now, I know Calyx OS has it. I don't know what other ROMs have in regards to this. Just so you know, for us privacy advocates, this is great for separating not so great apps with your main core apps because they're going to be sandboxed from each other in a very clean way. Next up, the Fairphone, which many of you may have heard of. It's a sustainable built phone, may have verified boot support for custom ROMs with the Fairphone 4. This is not officially confirmed from Fairphone, but someone in the Fairphone forums posted that they reached out to support and the support team said they're going to allow custom keys, meaning it's going to allow verified boot, meaning you can install a custom ROM and relock the bootloader for both security and privacy galore, which is why pixels are so good. So. If this is true and it actually comes to fruition, we might actually see a Fairphone 4 as a good alternative to the Google Pixel lineup for all you people who want very secure custom ROMs. Up next, Brave has removed Google as its default search engine. So now Brave is going to do its own Brave search as the new default, which makes sense considering it's their own product. We've done a review of Brave Search. It was more of a comparison to DuckDuckGo. If you want to check that out, we'll leave it down below. Brave Search now has almost 80 million queries per month. Brave claims it's independent and doesn't track users, their searches, or their clicks. It's not open source, so we can't really verify that. It's now the default on Brave 1.3 for desktop and Android, and Brave 1.32 on iOS. Just so you know, there was never ads previously, but it looks like they will soon be adding ads for free users, and it'll be ad-free for premium. And finally, a good way to wrap up the FOSS section. At first, you're gonna wonder like, why is this in the FOSS section? Trust me, it's here for a reason. So Trump has released his social media network, which by the way, again, we don't like to get political here, but think about how and why someone would wanna do this and the implications for what that means for social media as an entity. Why does someone want to create a social media network in this day and age? Pretty much what I'm getting at is social media is so valuable nowadays. And I don't think we quite always grasp how much value data as well as influence that these companies have, including Facebook, Twitter, all of these companies have such an immense level of control and influence on the people who are on the platforms. Here's the headline. So Trump's social media network has 30 days to stop breaking the rules of its software license. So this is still in early testing periods. It's not out to the general public. So the Software Freedom Conservancy, the SFC, has said that former President Donald Trump's new social media network violated a free and open source software licensing agreement 
by ripping off the decentralized social network Mastodon. The reason they even suspected this in the first place is because they found a Mastodon logo in some of the source code. And then they dug deeper and it turns out that they actually tried to strip every sign and every possibility of people linking the fact that it's just Mastodon. By the way, you're allowed to fork Mastodon and do anything with the source code as long as you give proper credit, and they didn't give any credit to Mastodon. This is why it's in the FOSS section. We don't normally talk about licensing, and licensing is kind of a big deal in the open source world, and it's because of these kinds of stories that it's a big deal. So they have 30 days to either restart this from the ground up using their own source code that's not based on Mastodon, or they have to give credit to Mastodon within the 30-day period. So we're going to see what happens with this story. We're going to end on misfits, and we only have one misfit story this week. The headline says, Ex-carrier employee sentenced for role in sim-swapping scheme. I'll quote the article, A former sales representative of a mobile carrier has been sentenced after accepting bribes to perform sim-swapping attacks. I just want to get on my soapbox about insider threats again for a minute. Zero knowledge, people. These things are not unusual in the slightest. We are seeing a huge rise in, you know, rogue employees and insider attacks. Yes, if you're a sysadmin or something like that, that certainly concerns you. But also you as the user, this concerns you because you never know when you're going to be the unlucky victim. And also SIM swapping attack, there's something to be said for using voice over IP instead of your SIM number. My big thing is zero knowledge. Always try to go zero knowledge whenever there's an option because unfortunately there is a rise in this kind of stuff. And it's another good reason to not use SMS 2FA. So again... Go back to your homework, call your bank, and ask what their 2FA options are. Yeah, I don't mean to be rude, but if you're using SMS 2FA, you're wrong. The only exception I would make is if there's literally no other option, at which point SMS is better than nothing. But if there's literally any other option, you're wrong. If you're using SMS on anything, go back, check the account. Because I know, like some places, first they roll out SMS, and then later on they add other things they don't tell you. So if you've got anything that's using SMS... This week, go go log in, go check, see if they've added any other options, and if they haven't, email them and tell them they suck and they need to add other options. That aren't Authy. Do not use Authy-based TOTP. <laughs> oh, dude, don't even get me started. Have you seen our 2FA guide? The 2FA guide, a third of the video is just talking about why Authy and LastPass are like, they're literally trying to take an open standard and make it some like something they can profit off of. And it's just a string of text. Again, TOTP is literally just a string of text. That's all this is. It's just a seed. And they're trying to take this seed and lock it into an ecosystem and make you go, okay, cool, now you're trapped in our Authy ecosystem. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good uh, point to end on. So that was our news for this week. A little bit lighter than some weeks, but not too light. We had, you know, Android 12 is out. That's some good news. Looks like we're making some progress on data protection in Brazil. We've got that research on browser fingerprinting, which hopefully we will see more of so we can understand it better, know how to protect against it and all that kind of stuff. Some good stories this week. And as always, we will keep you updated if anything new comes out. We want to remind you again that our promo spot for this week was Monero. Monero is an almost completely anonymous way to conduct transactions. So you should definitely look into that if you are not familiar with it. We want to thank you so much for listening to Surveillance Report. We are happy to know that you're trying to stay safe out there as the world is constantly changing. The final thing we want to ask of you is to share the podcast around. Make sure that you are subscribed. Sign up for notifications if you're on YouTube. If you're on a platform that allows for ratings be sure to leave a rating even if that's just a thumbs up every time you interact that tells the algorithms that you like us and shares it around and makes more people see it we want privacy to reach as many people as possible and you can help with that thank you again for listening and we will see you next week